Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin. And today it is my joy to have Kieran Trace here with us. Kieran is a human development expert and a spiritual teacher who's gone through a process of awakening. And she's the author of Tools for Sanity. So welcome, Kieran. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thanks, Kara. I'm very happy to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation myself. Yay! So I I know that you actually had a spontaneous spiritual awakening, and it was pretty massive from what I understand, and I find this completely fascinating. So can we start with that? Do you want to share what what happened with you? Yeah, sure. Um I think it's really great to start with an understanding of like, even just like a basic definition of like, what does that mean? What is this? Um, And then kind of illustrate with my experience. So, um, so there's numbers of different types of awakenings that people can have, right? So we can have a personal awakening and that's a really important and incredibly insightful and beautiful, meaningful experience for a person to have. And what that means is that there's some kind of an insight that gets gained. Maybe it's through deep suffering or some kind of an illness, but it can also be through becoming a parent or, um, you know, where, where in a personal awakening, it's like something really shifts your personal orientation and where you are as a person is now completely different. And you have a, a different orientation to life. And, and it, for it to be like an awakening, a personal awakening, it also means there's a depth. There's a new depth. There's a new understanding about yourself in life. And certainly any of your listeners and, and yourself who've, who've become a parent, you know, for sure that's a very big personal awakening. Um, but we can also have it through deep inquiry and deep search and, and just it, it's, it marks a point, this personal awakening where, where what we thought about ourselves shifts and, and there's, a, there's a depth that comes in. Um, so I define that as a personal awakening. And then there's a spiritual awakening. And a spiritual awakening is when some kind of an insight or some kind of um, shock even, <laughs> But through through any of those same means, right, a real transition in your life or, um, you know, some kind of suffering, whatever it is. But what happens is it opens the personhood into um, something beyond them, like beyond them in their life, which it, which is the, that sort of spiritual realm we think of where there's like you're suddenly very directly impacted by that which cannot be seen, felt, or heard, but it's so real and it's so tangible and it affects you so deeply that it actually marks this shift in yourself completely. And you are no longer focused on the personhood. There's a tremendous focus on this spiritual energy, the spiritual understanding, the spiritual insight, and and everything in your life at that point shifts and that becomes the dominant. And you're inquiry and your and your study and your um, personal devotion is is entirely focused there 
which isn't to lose the personhood, the personhood continues to grow and evolve, but the majority of your insight, the majority of your focus and the majority of your energy is really looking at this place of that which is beyond the self. And then we can have an awakening into original nature, which is what my experience was. An awakening into original nature is when there is some kind of a process. It can be spontaneous, very rare. That's incredibly rare, but was my experience. It can be spontaneous. It can be gradual. It can be a process. It can get like spiritual awakening can eventually bring you there possibly, an awakening into original nature. An awakening into original nature is when there's a very direct interaction with that which is not just beyond the person, but it's also beyond spirituality as well. It is the vast, vast um, source of all reality. So it goes beyond any kind of a, a movement of a separate self or personhood beyond any kind of this like um, of spiritual material. Like it's, it's beyond energy. It's beyond um, duality. The forms of energy. It's beyond duality. Certainly beyond duality. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so so that kind of a of a, an awakening is where one no longer can exist in a duality, like can no longer exist as a, as a person or even as a, a kind of exploration of, 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 of energies of, um, you know, I think in the spiritual realm, we're really looking at, maybe we can look at angelic movements or we can look at heavy energy or we can look at energy healings and we can, you know, like there's, there's a lot of information about the unseen that's very real and very tangible. That's really delicious and incredibly meaningful and juicy to discover, but there's actually beyond that. Mm -hmm. And the movement into original nature is beyond all that. It's the beyond all. Yeah. <laughs> and so my experience was a very spontaneous, like, so being, quite a secular human, a human that wasn't involved in spirituality. Like I hadn't, I did lots of personal awakenings, but I hadn't had a spiritual awakening. And I wasn't particularly interested or involved in that movement. So I was very, I was, I was very interested in personal growth, but not spiritual growth at all. Um, and I, very spontaneous and very out of the blue. I had, um, a massive awakening into original nature. And uh, I write about it in Tools for Sanity. And it's, it's, I kind of write it right at the beginning, the first, the sort of first chapter, and then write it the last chapter. Um, and so for a lot of people who are, who are just looking at the book as like some really beautiful tools for challenging situations, end up on a real roller coaster ride in that first chapter. <laughs> <laughs> So you got to kind of know before getting into this book that it is a, you know, a real conversation. But but the gist of it is that I, I was literally, I'd been out for lunch with my mother and her twin sister, my my aunt. Um, and I was coming home just to change my outfit and go out again to, to meet some folks. Um, I came home and I just was, 
you know, whipping home real quick. And I was just putting some, like I changed my clothes. And I was just putting my shoes on. And as I put my shoes on, there was a thought in my head that was a very different thought than I usually had. And it was, my gosh, this, our human bodies are just woven of pure light. Like we don't, we don't notice that. And that was sort of the last thought I ever had. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then what happened is that just, just everything dissolved, everything dissolved. And then like this- in front of your, like your perception, you kind of like started to lose the, the visual and the feet, the sensory or, or more yeah, like, like everything. Okay. No, it was, it was like, I looked up at a wall, but there was no wall. Wow. It's like the wall of my bedroom, but there's no wall at all. And not only is there no wall, there's no me looking at the wall. Like none of this is existing. None of this is actual. And then there was a noticing, because this is the sort of the very first moments of just this crack, you know, just crack. And it's like a mind wipe, but it's also a death, like a very, very sudden immediate death. And so there was a noticing that, from a, from a, I was from a, where, so I, there was no wall and there was no me looking at a wall, but almost like from far, 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 like if I was, I was, I was far away, but if I, it's almost like if you're at one side of a tunnel and way at the other side of the tunnel, you can notice something that might be energy, but I was way beyond it, way beyond it. It was a recognition that at, way over there, there might be a thing called energy that is making an illusion of a wall. So like what they would say in quantum physics, where they'd say there's this light wave, right? There's, this, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a particle wave of potential. And so I was way beyond that, but I could notice way over there that there was this sort of wave. And from a perspective, a wave could be make an illusion of a wall but it was but I was so far beyond and way back beyond it was like this sort of like it was just unnecessary for wall like there was no wall so a kind of an analogy I might use today for somebody is like when you go to sleep at night and you have a dream and in the dream there is you and there's your friends and you're maybe driving down the road in a car, you know, and then suddenly you're in a castle in England and then suddenly, you're, you know, like, but so there's this dream and you're in the dream. You're a character in the dream almost always, you know, you're, mm-hmm. there, there's always a you in your dream. Mm-hmm. And so you're dreaming. And then when you wake up in the morning, you don't think that there was all these things like, you know, that it all came from you. Like, you know that you dreamed it. Mm-hmm. And so you dreamed there was a you and there was your friends and there was a car and there was a road and you were driving on it, right? This is all a dream that you've dreamed. So in the experience of this awakening to original nature, I was in the dream, <laughs> driving in the car with my friends. And then there was a massive movement away that awakened me out of it all. And didn't even, like, we might say a personal awakening might be some realization for the person in the dream. A spiritual awakening might be recognizing that it is a dream, right? That it's Mm -hmm. a natural dream. And where I was 
where I was awakened into was that none of this is occurring except for an illusion. It, there's just a person sleeping in the bed. Like, but, it, but for me, it, it's just, there's just God. It's just oneness. There's just, there's the vast, vast, silent nothing. And that's what an awakening to original nature is like, or is about, or moves to. Well, thank you so much for putting words to something that is so ineffable because, I mean, there aren't words for it. Um, The first thing I want to say is no fair. No fair. (laughs) Because, Because so many of us are on paths and we're like, come on, awakening. Come on, I am presence. Let's do this. Um, so I'm joking, but, um, but lucky you. Well, it's great because then pick up the book and you'll realize what an unbelievable hell it is to spontaneously and suddenly die. That's what I was going to say is I can imagine this was really jolting because I can imagine it was a very pure and like, oh my goodness, like natural, like, oh, I'm here again, or I'm this, you know, oh yeah, this is who I am. And it's like this immediate recognition and then you've got to keep putting your shoes on and you've got to go meet your folks that you were going to go meet. And um, oh, sorry. Well, the difference, though, is that there's not an I'm here. There's not an I'm right. here. There's not an oh, I'm here again. There's no I. Right. The I is gone. Right. There is only a here-ing. And that's it. A being. That's it. Yeah, just an, a being. There's not even a, it's just, it's not even that. Yeah. It's there's no I, there's no B, there's no personhood. It's gone. So it's nothing but emptiness. Yeah. There's no I in the emptiness. Right, right. Like but, that's so the there's big shift. Right. Absolutely. Thank you for clarifying that. And it's but I suppose like when when you, even though you aren't you, but you know, when when it's happening and you're you're and it's just happening then it is what it is. But again, like it is at some level, you have to come back, you have to start moving forward into your, your back into your body, into your person. So I can, I, yeah, but here's the thing, exact, exactly what you're saying, but there's not a me doing it. It's a vast emptiness. And there is this thing that's like, how does vast emptiness do anything? Yeah. So what was that like? And it's, it was, it was hellacious. It was, and that's putting it lightly. Like it was at first, because so at first it was like, I think I had like, there was about three or four days of just, just nothing, just space, just nothing. And then there was this sort of, again, like at the other end of the tunnel, there's a waveform and there's, there's a, it was like a memory, but it wasn't my memory. It was just coming from the vastness. There was a body and a body required something like some kind of food or some kind of drink or some kind of hygiene even like, and there was this incredible, like hard to describe it, but like a grief or compassion or love for that movement, but no idea how to get to that movement, how, how that movement occurred. And so just to, to kind of have to figure that out and in a way, it was like, 
it's a weird thing to talk about because it's so you're right. It's, it's ineffable. It's like, it doesn't have language. There's not really language because language is really of the, of the form at the other end of the tunnel. Right. And so to put language at this side of the tunnel, it doesn't fit. The words are way too big, way too awkward. They don't fit, but it's enough to say that I eventually had to find people who had been awakened into the original nature. And my first one was Eckhart Tolle and he has a very beautiful community, Moni Van Golen, Thomas Hubbs. There was some really incredible, beautiful teachers that were there. And so that's, that's who I first went to. And, um, and under that support, uh, I started to get at least a little bit of an orientation about like, what is this, you know, mm-hmm. and that this happens and that people do this. Um, and I think if anybody's had an experience of Eckhart, cause he's an incredible teacher, he's really, yeah, really beautiful. And he has beautiful. this, and he has this way of being very, not super integrated into the human experience like he's quite he's quite vast as a being and it's it's totally beautiful and I love it and it was great and especially like he has a his one of his very best friends and very close companions is Moni Van Golen who's a wonderful teacher um and just also like really special and 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 anyways I spent a lot of time with Moni and I spent a lot of time with Thomas her partner and and it helped orient me and then I quite quickly met uh, another man named Ajashanti, who is also just an incredible teacher, also awakened into original nature. And he is much more integrated as a person. Like he's, he, he's much more integrated in his life and in his personhood. And so this, this vast, vast silence moving very effectively as a, as a person in the world. And so there was a quick friendship that, that happened. Um, and he, he had some real support for me in ways that was much, much more real for, for me. Cause for me, it felt like the like game off game off completely. And I had this almost like this mourning or this deep compassion for wanting the game on. Like I, there was this unbelievable compassion and desire for the game, which was so unlike Many of the other teachers I had met, they were like, have, have the game off. They were like, fantastic, best news ever, game off. And that just wasn't my experience. For, for me, there was this, or, you know, for the vast spaciousness that was that was sort of moving towards a personhood of Kieran, there was this just incredible love and devotion for the game. And so... um. So yeah, so I so I was getting support over slowly dripping in over the years, but and I write this in the book. I, I really, I I'm a very practical human. <laughs> I'm a very still? concrete human. Yeah, very much still. Yeah, okay. yeah. That re- that returned and and uh-huh. and always was. It was like 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 the here, the now, the the tangible, the like the how to step by step. Mm-hmm. was so important. And, and it really was like, because I w- already was a human development expert before my massive awakening. So I already was focused a lot um, on how does the human experience, like how does it do things? You know, mm-hmm. so like if you're an autistic child and you want to be integrated into the classroom, how does that brain do that? 
And how do we set up the classroom so that everybody wins from that integration, right? Like this was already who I was. Um, and I studied fine arts and I worked as an artist. And there's a lot as an artist where you're just really studying that human system. What is a human emotional pattern? What is a human physical pattern? Like, like you know, like what is the human dilemma? You know, like mm. what is the human quest? Like this is a really, these are really big questions. And that was all sort of in the mix before my awakening. Um, and I was really off. I was really like game off for a decade because really? understanding and learning how vast spaciousness itself does personhooding and does existence is it's a it's it's a lot. <laughs> it's when, a lot. When was least. your awakening, your spiritual awakening? Yeah, it was about 15 years ago. Okay. So wow. I had um yeah, so I had a good decade of offside, which, you know, which Aja would say, Aja Shanti would say, you know, and that was light speed. I was moving at light speed. He, he'd never seen anybody move so fast into the, like, the integration, into the integration. At, um, the thing that became so, so clear for me is that I loved the game. I loved the game. And, when, and what source did as me is it still utilized all that I was. So what I was before and what I was after was still utilized. And it was, for me, I, I would say, and I wrote this a lot in the book, like I actually don't have a ton to say back then. I would say it's a little different in this moment, but back then I didn't have a ton to say about awakening. I didn't, it was like, that's up to you, you know, like, and that, that's not even in your control, but is it, is it a desire of yours? Because I'm not going to decide what's true for you. I will, however, help you to live your life with far less chaos, pain, and depletion. Like the tools that I have seen, because by witnessing how source moves into humanness, I watched this incredibly beautiful movement of actualization and joy and peace, like organic capacity for such peace. But the biggest thing was that there was an organic capacity for deep fulfillment. And what I could see in the world is that as humans in our lives, we don't reach for fulfillment. We reach for safety or we reach for belonging or we reach for love, but we do not reach for absolute fulfillment. Certainly not like, and not even in the moment to moment, like, like we don't go like what's for lunch and then we go naturally go, what is the most fulfilling meal I could have in this moment? You know, like, mm -hmm. like that's so be like, we don't think we're allowed to have that. We, and, or we think that others would be in position if we had that, mm -hmm. or we think that we're shameful or there's something wrong for us to have those deep, like to expose the deepest fulfillment, I think a lot of people feel like embarrassed or shamed, you know, like, but what I was watching was that there's an organic capacity that as actually that's what we're built for. We're, we're literally built for this tremendous fulfillment in, in every practical little movement, like the car you drive and what you had for breakfast and how, if, if, or how you're going to meet your friends. Like, and so my work when I began to teach, which was sort of a decade later, and work was like how to show you this organic capacity in yourself for fulfillment, for, you know, extraordinary fulfillment. 
And that not only when you could see that that, that that was your organic capacity, that when you stood in the place of your deepest fulfillment, it turned out to be an absolute win for everybody and everything around you. Mm. That it was not what you think it is. It wasn't you taking from somebody or impositioning someone or disturbing people or being abandoned or, you know, like we often live, especially in relationship with other people, that if we, if we ask for the thing we most want, we'll often be abandoned. Like nobody's interested, you know, like, because they have an agenda for you and they have a role for you. And, and your job is to fulfill that agenda, fulfill that role. And no one else is interested in what you want beyond that. Like, you know, like that just in human relationships, but that is such dysfunction. That's such dysfunctional wiring. And your organic capacity is, is for this fulfillment. And from that place of fulfillment, it actually, everybody wins. And I don't mean that in some esoteric way. I mean that directly. I mean, practically. I mean, very specifically. So for instance, sorry, go I was going to say, for, no, if for instance, that we have a property manager who works on my farm here. And the other day he came to us and said, I really have to take a day, a day off, day or myself. And we were like, great. Okay. So then we all sat down and that was like the building crew and, and, and my whole family. And we all just sat down and we're like, okay, so, so where is it? Like, what's, what's the most fulfillment for you? Like, what do you really want? And then when he had the courage to like pull that out of himself and, and clarify what it was, it suddenly put everyone out. Cause then the builder was like, oh, that's so amazing. Cause the thing I want to go do was this, you know, like I wanted to like go to the, the lumber yard and I would have, I wanted to spend a whole morning at the lumber yard and pricing all these materials. And I just, I was trying to squeeze it in somewhere, but that's fantastic. And then it was like, oh, it was really fantastic for my family because then we could just actually have the whole morning of just being quiet and still and, and everybody could like, and it just sort of it put everybody into their fulfill, most fulfilling place because he had the courage to just stop and stop everything yeah. and, and access and like be to voice what was actually true and alive and deeply fulfilling for him. And then it just like, Oh, it just it, like everybody just gave everybody room for what was really fulfilling. And then what happens is, and then what happened, let's say that, that day that he took that off and my builder was able to spend the day at the lumberyard is it, we all won then because he found this incredible pricing for this lumber that we really wanted, but we didn't know that we could afford and he got it, you know? And then that defined like this next project that we were going to build out and, and actually helped us to create, you know, like it, it, it birthed more fulfillments. That is just, it just the pathway. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, how do you account for this block that we have to, to open ourselves up to our deepest fulfillment as far as, I mean, there are a lot of things that, that come to mind, like our relating to ourselves via the external, for example, where like, I only see myself as the way that that person sees me. Like I see myself as a mother and that's my duty. Or I see myself as their friend and I see myself, but it's it, rather than seeing like ourselves and honoring that or conditioning comes to mind. I don't know. Like how do we, um, is, are there things that come to mind as far as moving beyond that? Or is it just really like 
attuning ourselves to, to this and, and, and highlighting that blind spot that so many of us have. I th- you're right, Kara, that there's a lot of factors that play into that blind spot and that, and that block, right? And, and yes, conditioning being the basis of it, we're, we're raised as children to, you know, in our family households, we were taught that our needs were a burden to the family. Mm-hmm. And that our job was to tow the family road, right? We're all Christians, you know, like, and it's really, it's really harmful. And, and you'll be abandoned by this family if you want to study Judaism or if you want to not, not look at God at all, right? Like, like, like you'll, be, you'll be abandoned. You won't be loved. You won't, be, you won't belong, right? We also have that we're we're very much conditioned that that the best that we can do is be kind to one another. And that's not even remotely the best we can do. That's in fact a terrible setup for resentment and imposition. You know, like it's it's the worst, least skillful advice around. Because the truth is the best you can do is hear and be kind to yourself. And and to to really savor yourself requires you to have discernment about what you like and what you don't like. So you need to not like things. You need to be allowed to not like stuff and not like people and situations and not like family members and not like food. Like, it needs to be allowed. You know, you need to be allowed to hate. You need to be allowed to, to argue and to um, have your, your own uniqueness. And, it, and we, as a society, we think to, to be a society, we have, we have to be making the harmony. It's yeah. up to us to create the harmony. Mm-hmm. And we're getting this message on so many levels constantly. But it's wrong. Like, source has already created harmony. And for it to be a true harmonization, it must include disharmony. It must include diversity. It must include it. That's the only way it's true. I mean, just look at nature. Just look at life. You know, the the forest has a harmony already. Mm. And it's not because all the trees are the same. It's not because all the trees get nourished in the same way. And it's not because all the trees... How, you know, or the forest or the soil doesn't have levels of toxicities and levels of molds and levels of, you know, like all of this is required for true harmony. And in the networks we are raised in, in the, the way we run our family units, the way we run our schooling systems, it all sets up a really different storyline that goes against our organic nature, our, our organic capacity. Mm. But the good news is we don't have to unlearn all that. We don't have to. Because it's an organic capacity inside of us, we just need to move towards it. And that's it. You know, like it's, it's, it's really simple. And so the, so the hack that we used are one of the really foundational tools in my clinic and in my practice and in our tools is this tool I call Delicious Yes. And I like the word delicious because it's it's a little effeminate. And so for a, for a lot of men, they're like, what is like delicious? Like, you know, like, mm. but it's the right word because 
it speaks of the body and the being and the mind can't, um, can't fake it, can't fake delicious. And so it's, it's this very sensual word. It, it requires your whole senses and your beings to register what's delicious. And so what we do is when we, the practice is that when you make a decision, you take the time to come in and feel what's delicious. And that delicious signature, the signature in your body. So when your body is feeling that juiciness and that aliveness, maybe that effortlessness and that ease, you know, it's not a, it's not, it's not a disconnect. It's juicy and alive, but it has a tremendous ease, right? This is delicious. It's speaking to a place where there's the most aliveness. And if it's the most alive, there's the most life. And if there's the most life, life will meet you there, right? So what you're listening for when you're listening for something delicious is ultimate, like you just have to find what's delicious, but ultimately what that represents is the most alive place, which is the place of most life. So if you put yourself towards the most life, then life will come in and, and, and hold you and support you right there. But if you put yourself in the opposite place, a place of depletion, right? A place of effort, a place of exhaustion, you're going towards the place of less life, least life. Life cannot meet you there. You're blocking life. So you don't have to unlearn all the ways you block life. But you do need to learn how to move towards more life. And the, it's such a lovely thing because it's your organic capacity you know, it's delicious to do. It's delicious to do what's delicious, you know, like, and that's the motivation. That's the momentum. That's the devotion to to hold you there. Well, and it's interesting because as you were talking about it, I was kind of getting the, the, the feeling of the person who is accommodating for the external, you know, and they're shutting themselves off. But of course we have the other end of the spectrum where we've got like narcissism, or, you know, where it's all about me at the expense of everybody else, but it's not in a, in a healthy way. It's not that, like, I'm going to stand in, in my power and I'm going to look for or invite in this life that will fill out and benefit everybody. Of course, we have beings here who are wanting everything at the expense of everybody else and only ever looking at themselves and so I think it addresses arguably, that as well. Yeah, because arguably that's not delicious in them. Right. Like you just went to the narcissist and the narcissist is like, I want this, I want this, I want this. If we tap into their being and put them in their body, it's like, is that a place of immense nourishment? Is that delicious? Right, it's not serving. And I think it won't be, right? It's We right. know it. We know the effort and depletion. And partly we can see it in them, mm-hmm. which is why that level of illness, that why that mental imbalance but also the depletion around it all is, is also the sign, right? Like if you were planting a garden, like we went back to nature, right? And you put in a plant that just sucked all the nutrient from everything, right? Then that's not the right plant in the garden. And if we actually look at that plant, think that we're going to see a really healthy microbiome. In fact, we know this with monocrops, right? Like we know this, like they actually do steal all the nourishment. They break down all the microbes, you know, like they're, they're really toxic. And when we actually take that plant itself, that's not a nourished plant. And then when we eat 
eat that plant, when we digest that wheat or something, it's not nourishing to our bodies. It in fact, upsets and shifts, you know, our own cellular makeup, right? So, so this is not delicious, right? Yeah. Oh, this what a is beautiful analogy. Thank you for that. I love that. Oh, going into the monocrop and the gut biome. Genius. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Oneness. It's all connected. Yes. All one. Yes. It's amazing. So one of the things that um, when I was reading through some of your your things, I saw this uh, reference to that you see things encoding and light since your spiritual awakening, which is fascinating and intriguing. And I wondered if we could go into this. And you did, you did touch on this about when, when the moment came, when that switch happened and, and you went into that oneness and you, the first thought was this like foreign thought for you at that time, which was, wait, we're all woven light. Oh my goodness. Just feel that in your body, just feel those words for a moment. This woven light is just gorgeous. Um, and so now, now that you've kind of come, uh, you're on the other side of that transitioning process now, you know, 15 years in, are you still seeing things in coding and light? And do you have language to sort of describe what that's like for you or was like for you? Yeah, that's a great question, Kara. So now, so now I'm much more skilled at reading the code. Like, so it's light and the light is encoding. And I'm much more fluent and skilled at seeing the encoding as form. So I can sort of instantaneously see the light, the code, and the couch. You know, like okay. that's sort of now at this point, there's a fluency that I can see all of it. I can also step back and just see the code or step back and just see the light. And what I started to notice is that, again, because this is an awakening into original nature, which is say this is our original nature, which is also like this is our capacity organically, not just me. Like mm-hmm. it's there. And so when I began to build out my courses, I started to show people how to see it. And they could see it it could be seen because they, because it's an organic capacity inside. It's it, reality is still reality, whatever point you might be in. So you might be in that narcissistic point of view. It's not going to change reality. And if we point someone to reality, they can see reality <laughs> if they want to, if all they want to see is their narcissism, then there's nothing we can do. But, but if they would like to see reality, that's the great thing about reality. It's still reality. It will, it will be there. And so, um, so one of the things that happened for me is eventually that courage to kind of articulate the way I could see things moving and, and share that and start to break it down for people and then recognize that they could sense it too. And they were already sort of sensing it. And then when I started to break it down into really practical, really concrete pathways, it it was simple. And so like in our, and so we, so I have, um, if you, on my website, we have a lot of little trainings, like, so it's ways to like harness this delicious, you know, like the first one is just like this free course for nine days of how to make delicious choices. You know, just here it is real practical how to's. 
because um, I'm such a practical step-by-step how-to kind of human. And then we have these like little trainings, like like how to do that with money and how to do that with relationship or how to do that with purpose, you know, like, so there are these little mini courses, but the bulk of my, of our work is this, this longer in-depth courses. And so they're like these, these three month long courses and there's three of them in a year. So we sort of do this like three semester thing. Mm. And it's a little bit like, um, adults being able to go back to college in a way and you you go with all your best friends like because all because everybody else who's there are also pretty advanced practitioners they're usually teachers themselves they've done a ton of their own work they've they've read everything and seen everything and so they so this point it's just a community of very skilled beings who are really looking at this alignment and looking at fulfillment in in very, very real ways. So it's this awesome community. And so you, so you take this sort of three month course with all your, or all your friends, you know, all these awesome people and, um, and the community element helps it. So, so this is to say, just to answer this question, it's like, so the first course is embodiment. And what we're doing is we're showing people how to just listen to their body as light, like listen to their body and, and recognize what the light is saying. And what I could see is that people really could do it. And then when you have this big community and you're talking to each other, like in our, in our courses, you get a buddy who you call every week. You get uh, every day you're in, in contact on our class boards, which are really intimate places. And there's lots of conversation happening. And so you're, so you're listening to everybody else discovering these same things. And so that's really helpful, right? Like if, if you're getting this very practical how-to and then you're surrounded by all these people who are also articulating, you know, and, and exploring how this is, that's what it takes. And then, so for myself, it's, just so deeply supported me to keep talking about how I see, right? And how I'm seeing life live itself. And, and so, and then just so, so on a like very specific, like for instance, yesterday I was driving with my family up to the city and, um, and I was saying these insights that I was getting, like we left the dog at home. And at a certain point, I could feel the dog looking for us, you know, because I could just see, I could just sense it, you know, and I was just like, oh, you know, Radagast is wondering where we are, you know, and then my family's like, how do you get that information? Like, what is that information? I'm like, it's the same way, like you could, if if Radagast was in the back of the truck and he was crying, that you'd hear him and then you would look to see like does he need water is he uncomfortable did he get caught on his leash like you know this is what you would do right you'd use your eyes and your ears and you'd also use your own awareness of the of the dog you loved so for me I don't need those levels of location like uh, it's like I can it's like that tunnel right like I can just he's here he, he already exists and he's here and I can absolutely just hear him in exactly the same way and it doesn't require that you know, and so did you have to tune into a different level within yourself, within your being to be able to connect with him or it just came through really organically? You weren't even it thinking it just about comes him. through organic about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. In fact, that's how I know it's true is because I'm not carrying it around mm-hmm. like I'm not seeking it like so. 
So the separate self, like the personhood of Kieran hasn't decided to check in on the dog, right? Mm. Like, because then I don't know that it is true because now I have an agenda, right? Like I have an agenda for me, which is to check in on the dog. I have an agenda for the dog, you know, like all that agenda is there. So if, if it's not, if I'm just driving in the car with the family and we're singing a song and we're laughing about something and my dog is here, right? Then I know that's life, that's source, not this person called Kieran trying to do something. Yeah. You know, it's, it's how I know about love. You know, if I'm, if I'm thinking about someone, I can't, if I'm carrying around a story, if I'm carrying around a story of like, you know, my partner or my child, right. Or, and I'm, cause we do this in relationship, we carry them or my dog, you know, we're carrying them around all the time. Mm-hmm. That's when we're projecting all kinds of things, probably inaccurately about your child, about your part, your husband or your partner or your wife or about your dog, you know, like, because it's, it's all based in this, like, I'm carrying you around as my source of love. And I'm thinking about you as my source of love versus the spaciousness of just being present in a moment. And in that moment, that might come to you. And that's how you know it's real. Does that make mm. sense? It does. It, it's really beautifully said. And it, it, it makes me think of, of kind of codependency and you know, on a, on a slightly different level, but that, um, that push pull, you know, that we have with relationships and, and how, and that definition, you know, we kind of talked about it early on, but that definition of ourselves outside of ourselves and allowing or thinking that we are defined by that person we're carrying around or, you know, that we see definition of ourselves in something outside of ourselves. Um, which yeah, also, like, I must be love. I'm lovable because my daughter loves me. My husband loves me. My dog loves me. So therefore I'm lovable. Right. But that's, there's no accuracy to any of that. Right. You are lovable because you are. Exactly. Period. I love it. Period. And then your daughter is free to love you or hate you given what's true for her in a moment. And it doesn't define your lovability. Your husband is allowed to hate you or love you in any given moment based on what's true for him. It doesn't define you as lovable or not. Right. Right? Your dog gets to ignore you or love you or your cat based on what's true for them, not based on loving you. Right. And how, how often is it that what we're trying to see reflected in us is even true? You know, how often is it that somebody's speaking to us in a certain way, not because they're responding to us or reacting to us, but because they're acting, they're acting out something else through that moment. You know, oh, somebody was mean to me today. So now that is bothering me and I'm going to, that's going to bring itself that into this moment and if you choose you can think that that's a reflection of yourself oh they don't I did something wrong I don't even know what it was or they don't love me anymore or I'm terrible you know but it's actually not personhood 
Yeah. And from a spiritual perspective, if we're in a spiritual place, we might say, what have I manifested? Why did that get tracked into my field? Right. You're still doing that same inaccurate projection that puts you in the center of it. Yeah. So and, true. but it, in both of those cases, it really blocks freedom, like actual freedom. Cause the, cause the, the truth, the ultimate reality may be that person is a, f- <laughs> and what you should have done is flick them the finger or kick them in the butt or get out of line or punch them. I don't know what's true. <laughs> what's actually real. Where's your freedom? Where's what's real. Mm. you know and then if you stood in what was really delicious and what was really real instead of being tolerant or patient or putting up with like what's real it may be that you didn't even want to be in that stupid lineup or you didn't want to be at that coffee shop or you didn't want to be in that bank you know like Mm. what was real is that you wanted to be whatever I don't know whatever else whatever was delicious you know Mm. like the information is that that person was a dick to you because that person's a dick. and p.s like i kieran trace is often a dick. i'm usually the person around <laughs> like you know like each of us is allowed to be grumpy and intolerable and unhappy because it's incredible information about where we're out of alignment mm. instead of forcing a smile on our face yeah. and pretending that we're in control of alignment yeah wow that's that's amazing. I mean, and this all goes back to sovereignty. And I feel like more and more there seems to be a particular focus on sovereignty. Um, what does it mean to you to be completely sovereign? And, and what role does that play in our happiness? I, I like the word free. Um, because I do think that interdependency is beautiful. And it's incredibly true. It's it's the very real aspect. You know, it's real about the garden, the forest, back in our analogy, right? Mm-hmm. That's an interdependent movement because ultimately everything is connected. Now, it is not dependent. It is interdependent. Like, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it has its own, it has a connection, right? Like it's not separate, right? It's connected. But it's also not, so it's not independent or dependent right? Like it's interdependency is a connectivity. Um, So one, you know, like it's very, very important for human beings to have relationship. Um, Now that can be relationship, just like we're saying, right? It can be relationship with a person, but it can be a relationship with an animal or it can be relationship with nature, or it can be relationship with source or God or, you know, your spiritual understanding, right? Like it can, any of those relationships are really, really important because the relationship is where the connection is. And we are connected beings. Like it's all one connection. Like it's, it's all connection. And so to take ourselves out of connection is to really deprive the nourishment and the opportunity to thrive. We also know just in, in just science, just actual data points that the most beneficial way for our brains to nourish is in connection so this is to say that we have three brains we have one in our head and one in our heart and one in our gut at least but let's just focus on those and those brains transfer information through neuron fiber right there's these these actual fibers neural networks we call them 
And those fibers shred and or break when we have stress, trauma, depletion. For instance, this year and a half or two years that we've just been coming, that we've come through, right? Like very, very stressful space for a lot of people. And that is really severing and breaking these neural networks is what, if we look inside, stress has a feeling of being dead-ended. Like, like you're not connected, you're not networked, right? Like you just dead end. And so luckily we have an organic capacity to build more neural networks. And that means we can build more fibers at any time. We never ever lose the ability to develop more fibers. And the most effective way to do that is through relationship. So it's not by consuming information. It's not by, um, there's all kinds of ways that we might, you know, like you could take dopamine hits or you could, you know, take antidepressants, right? You could pharmaceuticals, you could, all the things. But all the data has shown on every country and every study that the most effective way to build neural networks is actually relationships. Why? Because relationship builds connection. And connection is connection. (laughs) Whether it's in the neurons or... It's all of it, right? It is in the neurons if it is in the form. Like, you know, it is in the couch, like it is in the coding, like it is in the light. You know, like Mm. it's all this one movement. And so this... So what do I think of sovereignty as the question is like, I really value freedom Mm -hmm. and freedom nourishes itself through connection because connection is so real and so true. That would be my answer. I love it. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Well, this has been amazing I've it's so high and so fun and (laughs) and somehow grounded and practical I don't know I don't know how any of those things go together somehow you managed to connect all of those yeah (laughs) that's Um, it that's reality that's reality right grounded really high really fun that's delicious yes so true so how can people learn more about you and your offerings and, um, and, and have more Kieran in their lives? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way you have more Kieran in your life is you go to kierantrace.com. And so I'm sure there'll be a link in your show notes yes, here. Absolutely. Um, it's just like, sounds just like it's like, it's spelled just it sounds K-I-R-A-N, Kieran Trace, T-R-A-C-E.com. And, you know, a great way to start is there's a free nine-day course on how to make a delicious choice. And there's, you know, each of those days, there's like little video clips from me, little meditative clips from me. Um, And I always tell people, yeah, it's this nine-day course. If you manage four or five days of that, fantastic. If you manage to make one delicious choice in three days, amazing. You know, like, you'll notice the difference. Like, there's no, there's a lot of spaciousness involved. Like there's no, um, you have to do all nine days. You got to do them all in a row, you know, like mm-hmm. just be where you are and and give it a try. And there's also tons of material um, on my blog, which is on that website. Um, lots of articles. So I have a beautiful article about awakening where I talk in quite a de- lot of detail about the personal or the spiritual or the original nature one. Um, and there's, but there's also the blogs beautifully lined up if, if, 
you've got a challenge around parenting or relationship or purpose and career or money. There's all kinds of beautiful articles and or videos that are all there. And um, yeah, I'd say... And your book, it's, there's just tools for sanity. my book. Tools for sanity yeah. is such a great. It's such a great book. It's a quick read. It's a delicious read. It's very practical and grounded, but also very high. Um, yeah, <laughs> and funny and uh, <laughs> funny. It's a very funny book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The thing that people say about me a lot is they weren't expecting me to be quite so funny. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, so tools for sanity is there on the book. Uh, there on the website. Um, there's just, there's tons of stuff over there. Go check it out. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. I'm so glad we connected. You are welcome anytime, uh, to come on (laughs) and we can explore. There's so many different ways we can take this. We hardly got through my notes. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) well, it was really sweet, really fun to be here. So I had a good time. Wonderful. Good time had by all. Hopefully Uh, everybody listening is having a good time too. I trust so. Well, thank you so much, Kieran. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. She is so, so much fun, so much insight. I loved that. Um, Be sure to check out Kieran Trace and her book, Tools for Sanity. And as we mentioned, I'll put all of her info um, and how to find out more in the show notes. And I thank you for listening and for your continued support. Feel free to rate, review, like, or subscribe, um, all of that good stuff. And do share this episode. Kieran has some wonderful insights that will benefit so many people. So um, so pass this episode along and let, let others be inspired by her beautiful wisdom. So thank you very much, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.